I have always thought it strange that it's the goats who go to eternal punishment, while the sheep happily file into the kingdom of God. After all, goats always struck me as kind of sweet and good, while everyone knows that sheep are just bad. <laughs> In Jesus' time, shepherds often mixed their flocks, so sheep and goats would graze together. But at night it was cold, and so they were separated. The sheep with their warm woolen coats were fine out in the open pasture, while the goats were herded to warmer, more sheltered areas. At other times, sheep were separated out to be sheared, while goats sometimes needed milking. So this imagery of separating and sorting used in this passage would have been familiar to listeners of this story. What might have shocked them, as it does us today, is how this sorting process becomes a metaphor for the last judgment. Now, if you've been coming to church for the last few weeks, you may have noticed a theme of end times running through the gospel readings. Chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew are one long discourse from Jesus on the eschaton, the end of the world. Along with warning his disciples against false messiahs who will rise up after he's gone, Jesus tells them they must be faithful, like the servant awaiting his master's return in chapter 24. Wise, like the smart bridesmaids who had extra oil for their lamps. Resourceful, like the entrepreneurial slave who doubled his master's five talents into ten. And now, merciful like the sheep who cared for those in need all around them. This is the final discourse of Jesus, the last talk he has with his disciples before he's arrested and crucified. And he basically lays it all out for his listeners. Be faithful, wise, resourceful, and merciful, and you will be welcomed into my kingdom. So that seems pretty clear-cut. And yet, if you are at all like me, you have sometimes found yourself wondering, am I a foolish or a wise bridesmaid? Am I the guy who made ten talents out of five? Or am I the guy who was chicken and buried the one talent I had in the ground? And am I a sheep or am I a goat? Apparently, the answer to these questions will mean the difference between entering the heavenly banquet or weeping and gnashing your teeth in the outer darkness for all eternity? It's kind of important to know the answer to these questions. Well, after 13 years of discerning a call to the priesthood, working in eight different parishes, and preaching over 200 sermons, this is what I have learned. Doing the work of Jesus Christ in the world is not so much about our actions, what we do, whom we help, Rather, it's about the attitude we develop the more we follow the teachings of Jesus and grow into the person God would have us be in the world. Let me try to be clear about this. I would not advise you, after hearing the story of the sheep and the goats, to leave church all worried and start thinking you have to help every single homeless or needy person you meet or else you'll be thrown into hell. I would advise you instead to go home, sit down, and seriously think about the fears 
and prejudices and barriers you secretly have around homeless people or black people or gay people or Republicans (laughs) or Democrats or illegal aliens or Muslims or the wealthy or welfare mothers or white trash or anyone you judge without knowing them fully. I mean anyone you see as other so as to distance yourself from them or perhaps even write them off. Then I would counsel you to pray that God help you lose those fears that keep you from fully embracing your fellow human being. Because Christ doesn't simply call us to help the needy. In some ways, that's the easy part. No, Christ wants a change of heart. Christ wants your soul to learn to love every single human being on this planet as if he or she were Christ himself. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Then your actions and words and heart will naturally tend towards good works and compassion. Then you won't have to think twice about doing God's work because you'll already be God's love. That is a very hard thing to achieve. I know I have a long way to go. But until we at least try to daily ask ourselves, how can I be more like God wants me to be today? We will not mature into our full spiritual self. For many of us, it can start with helping out a homeless person we meet and then slowly having a change of heart afterwards. That's the fake it till you make it approach. And it can work. But works are not the end point. The end point is a new heart. In the story of the sheep and the goats, neither of those groups realizes how kindly or meanly they're behaving towards others. They're just being who they are and doing what comes naturally. Sheep care for the needy. Goats, not so much. And actually, the goats aren't so much mean as they are indifferent to others, paying them no mind. But neither group sees Christ in the people they choose to help or to spurn. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did or did not take care of you? They helped or didn't based on who they already were. But in God's mathematics, to be indifferent or unconcerned with others equals refusing to show them mercy. Our work then as children of God is to lose our indifference and to inhabit compassion so completely that we don't even know we're doing it. To a culture like ours, stuck in a Darwinian quagmire where the, only the strong are deemed worthy of notice or survival, compassionate mercy is a powerful witness to God's love as the ultimate natural law. Maybe the heaven and hell that Matthew conjures up is really the difference between standing in the presence of God's love or separating ourselves from it. 
If we continually open our hearts in loving service to other people, then we intrinsically open ourselves again and again to the love of Christ. As Jesus says, that was me you fed and cared for. As a result, we are already prepared when the time comes to dwell in God's presence because we've been doing it all along. We've been in Christ's presence throughout our lives. We've been in what Matthew calls the kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world. On the other hand, if we consistently choose to close our hearts to others, denying their needs, and instead focusing our life on our own desires and gratification, we implicitly close off the path to Christ's love. Jesus said, that was me you ignored. Such a continual rejection might naturally lead to an eternal separation from God, which Matthew imagines as wailing and gnashing of teeth. If hell is separation from God, then landing there is less about punishment than it is the natural consequence of how we have already lived our life, consistently choosing to remain apart from God's love. I remember a few years ago, after church on a Sunday in San Francisco, going to lunch with William, the hubby. I was wearing my clergy collar, and as we walked past a Walgreens, a homeless man started gesturing at me and saying, Hey, pastor, pastor, stop a second. I got to talk to you. Well, I was hungry. And frankly, I didn't want to engage him because I knew he wanted money. So I waved my hand and said, Sorry, I can't help you, and walked on. The man got angry and started yelling after me, You're not a minister. You're not a minister. Somehow that really annoyed me. So I shouted over my shoulder, Yeah, but you are, aren't you? Not a very good comeback, I admit. <laughs> Feeling guilty all through lunch, I decided to go back and see if I could help the guy. I found him on the sidewalk, sitting against the wall, with a vacant look in his eyes. When I knelt down next to him and apologized for my rude behavior, he didn't seem to recognize me. That's all right, Father, he mumbled. I offered to buy him some food from Walgreens, and he said, sure. So we went in and got him a sandwich and some chocolate milk. I actually didn't have enough money to pay for it, so I had to borrow some change from the homeless guy. <laughs> but still, his face lit up as he thanked me for the food, and the cashier also whispered, thank you for doing this. The point of my story is not that I went from being Father Jerko to being Father Hero. The point is that we all have a choice. I could just as easily not have taken the time to return and make amends with this man. I might have reasoned that he had unfairly targeted me as a source for money because I'm a priest. But because I did return, the homeless man felt cared about, even if it was just for a few moments. I had the opportunity to experience opening my heart and caring about someone else. And the cashier evidently was touched in his heart at witnessing someone care about another. So for all I know, the three of us shifted one step closer to God's love. Sometimes I think that just remaining open 
to the possibility of helping someone is a little victory because at least we haven't fallen into apathy or cynicism. The sheep and the goats may not have known that it was Christ they were serving or spurning, but we do know because we have these words from the Gospel of Matthew. We can make an informed choice. So why not choose to care? After all, it's not our business to understand the end result of God's will. It's just our business to do it throughout our lives. Today we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King. This commemoration began in 1925. It was the church's response to a post-World War I world of nationalism, fascism, and secularism. And it was meant as a reminder that there is a greater kinship that rules over all nations. We commemorate it today in a world that remains as violent and broken as ever. May we remember our call to be ambassadors of that kingdom, revealing its truth in our words, in our actions, and in our love. Amen.